love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And Haley, we're going to kick it off with everyone's new favorite segment, the Haley Chura Indian Wells 70.3 Workout of the Week prep workout or whatever. You guys know what I mean. So tell us, what is your workout of the week this week? You have, let's see, Indian Wells is in two weeks now, right? Yeah. I mean, it'll be less than two weeks by the time this airs. I mean, wow. And you're like, I have like less than 30 seconds into the show and I'm like, what is my workout? (laughs) Um, I don't think I've shared a swim workout, which I know is like a little bit surprising given my background, but um, I'm going to share a swim workout this week. What do you think about that? I love it. Yeah. Tell us. Okay. This is when I did go swim it in the very hot pool I have here. (laughs) Yeah. This is not a good one for a hot pool, but, um, so it was 350s. This is meters. So I'm going to give intervals too, which I don't always do. But, um, you know, to give people perspective uh, so they can, you know, scale things. This is this would be an easy one to scale. I think anyone could do this. So 350s, those were on the 45 seconds. And I was aiming to hold 35 seconds. So getting about 10 seconds rest on those. And then a 400 on... 520, which is 120 per 100 base. And I think I was holding just under five minutes. So just under 115. And then a four, four 100s. And those were on 120. And I think I was holding, you know, right around 115 or a little under 115. And then 675s on the 130. That's easy interval. That is meant, and I did those backstroke, and those were meant to be recovery. And I did all of that twice. Ooh, so okay. I think you know, for depending on like where people are in their season. Obviously, like I have a race coming up in a couple of weeks, so this is a pretty race specific. Um, you know, trying to make sure you can hold a good effort for an extended period of time. But I mean, it would be one, like you could do it one time through, you could, um, you know, make it 350s and a 200 and two 100s or something like that, like to scale things a little bit. But I mean, it's meant to be 50s are pretty hard and then kind of some thresholds type, type 400 and four 100s to like keep that pressure on and fairly short rest. So um, I like it. Does it kind of simulate the swim start where you go really hard for that first, like, you know, bit, and then you kind of settle into that high, yeah. higher effort still a but, little bit. I mean, that's kind yeah. of what I was thinking. When yeah. You were telling it. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of does do that. Yeah. Cause obviously the fifties are a little bit faster and then, um, and yeah, it was like a, it was a, I mean, I would say it was a challenging, it was a challenging workout. <laughs> like, uh, I, um, I also will say that I recovered from this workout on Fridays. I, I like to do fancy coffee Friday. So I, there's a coffee shop right across the street and I got myself, a latte and that's how I celebrate a good hard workout. So if you want to really um be like Haley, you should do a version of the swim and then treat yourself. If you don't drink coffee, maybe you get yourself a hot chocolate or like a tea or a hot noon. I mean, but I do think you should celebrate afterwards. It does. Yeah, it does sound like the perfect set to be like boom, nailed it, coffee time. Yes. I love it. 
Um, but what have you been up to? And in uh, New Hampshire, I mean, are you? Is it getting? This is your first like real winter there. I mean, it's not. No, it's not really winter yet. But um, nor further north are the short days getting to you yet. You know, I'm not. Not too bad. Not yet, at least, which is a good thing. I mean, we basically, though, are counting down to, like, the shortest day. And then we're like, okay, we're, like, in the ballpark. We're getting into the ballpark for the shortest, right? And then from there, it only gets better. So I feel like we have a good perspective on that. And I am, I mean, I'm super, super fortunate that I can adjust my days to do something outside in the sun when we have a nice sunny day, even if it's cold. So that makes a big, big difference. And I am like, like I said, I'm very aware of the privilege of that, which I, um, which I definitely take advantage of, of being able to do that when I can, but I kind of, so far I like it. I, you know, I definitely splurged and got some, uh, the winter gear I felt like I needed. I panic bought some other like winter toys, like skate skis and these Ooh. other Snowshoes and like You're you know ready. I feel like very prepared. Oh, I feel prepared and I almost like want snow because now I have these things. I'm like ready to use them, right? But um, I went for a long hike in the White Mountains actually, and I was Haley. I was so nervous. We had this on the calendar for a while. I have um, a friend I met through Instagram actually, and they were going hiking in the Whites and um, invited me, and then I invited my athlete and friend Megan and. You know, in my and head, former like, oh. Megan Jensen, former Iron Woman yeah. podcast guest. So we, yeah, we all exactly. know Megan from the, you guys know Megan. Too. Yes, yeah. from last year and on the Adirondacks episode. But yes, it was it was priceless because I was like, okay, we're going. It's you know November. It's not officially winter hiking because winter is like goes by the seasons, right? In the solstices or something. So, but it's a cold hike, and I was like, I had my whole outfit. I had like three tops ready, two pairs of pants, like two pairs of socks, you know, all of these things. And I laid them out and Megan has done some, you know, winter hiking last season. And so I was like, is this like, what are you wearing? And she's like, oh, I'm just wearing this long sleeve and this vest and like <laughs> your pants. I was like, what? She was like, you don't want to wear all those clothes. She's like, you do not want to wear all those clothes. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm placing all my trust in you. Oh, and so I did, I trusted Megan. I did carry an emergency few layers in my pack, obviously. And we also all had like plenty of other things in case we need them. Um, but it was, it was a beautiful day. It was, it opened my eyes to like being able to hike in mountains with plenty of snow out there and ice and things and how to do it. I got to use my micro spikes. Mm. And um, so it was cool. It was cool. And it was, it's fun to see other people out there who are also you know, willing to brave some elements and things like that. Um, but I'm, I read a book called, I think you would like this book actually. It was called Wintering. And I think it was by Catherine May. I've seen it. And I haven't read it. I saw it though. It's it's really pretty cover. I judge books, but it is a really pretty cover. <laughs> and she kind of talks more about like wintering hard things in life. And then also throughout the book kind of parallels how that does, you know, help her in the seasonal wintering as well. And so I, I really like the book. I read it, you know, when I moved to New Haven, I was like, I'm going to read this book. This is going to teach me how to winter. And then I was like, oh, this isn't exactly what I thought it was. But it did, it does give you a good perspective in some of the little nuggets she has in there. I feel like, um, you know, are things that I remember. And there's something to the changing of the seasons that you should embrace and kind of use to ultimately like refresh yourself come spring. So I don't know. That's, that's a, my book 
recommendation of the week. Yeah. Oh, man. For those oh. of us not training for Indian oh, Wells. This could be a, <laughs> we need people to write in ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Do you like the book recommendation of the week? Um, yeah. I That actually sounds like a good book to read. Like that does. And I had someone tell me that like years ago, even actually when I was living in Georgia about like really appreciating the change of the seasons. And I think you can't, I, I appreciate it through clothing. Like I do. I now I'm like, Ooh, I have to like, I mean, I can have boots. I can have like coats, different coats, you know, because I have different seasons. So there is some, some nice parts of that and candles and the food. Like, do you make different, like I make, I do a lot of meal planning for Matt and myself. Like I'm, that's like my, one of my tasks that I like fully do is like the meal planning and the groceries and stuff. And, um, so I do, I really enjoy like switching seasons because it's like, okay, now we can start making some winter meals. Right. And like, yeah, um, kind of figuring out what those are soups and like, just more like casserole type thing. Hot noon, and, you know, like <laughs> hot noon. <laughs> That's my hot noon for everything. Yes, yes for that sure. Is, that's my favorite um, thing to cook. <laughs> that's the extent of you my actually, skills. I bet like ramen with, made with hot noon would be really good. Yeah, you could get a lot of like like a lemon lime hot noon with ramen. I don't know. I don't know. That's maybe not for lunch, but maybe in I bet it in like an ultra. I bet that would be really good. You should try it. If you're running a race, you should yeah. definitely try. It would that. be like a race lunch. Yeah. yeah. Um. I will. But uh, <laughs> I um. I'm glad that you're you're ready. Micro spikes best winter purchase. I also think cycling vests are really really good for like winter running, really winter hiking, especially if you have a dog. So you can put like dog treats or, but like your treats, um, baggies or like a place to put your gloves. Like having those pockets in the back is fantastic. I run in a cycling vest a lot, but, um, okay. Alyssa, we, I heard we had a mailbag question. Yes. Haley, our mailbag got some action this past week, which is exciting. So to everyone, I think people must have forgotten or something that we have a mailbag, but you can always send in your questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to answer some of these questions. And thank you to Heather who remembered and Heather sent us a question. Okay. This is a great one. We enjoy this one. So as the holiday season is bringing all the best sales to people, she is thinking of getting a new wetsuit. She bought her current wetsuit, the Roka Maverick Pro, and got a medium tall and had spoken with the representative that, so that size was the suggestion, like based on the back and forth with the um, sales rep. The issue that Heather's had is that she's never had a hard time putting it on. She just pulls it on without having to use any spray, lube, the fun plastic bag trick on her feet, (laughs) and all of those things that she's heard other people, I guess, have been doing. So should all wetsuits be difficult to put on? Is her suit not tight enough? Does she need to buy a new suit and capitalize on these sales? What do we think? To me, it sounds like she's probably wearing the correct size. I think Alyssa and I, you and I, you and I talked about this, but like a lot of those tricks, like using chamois cream around your wrists and ankles and around your neck, or, um, you know, it's more for getting the wetsuit off than putting it on. Like, hopefully it goes on fairly. I mean, it shouldn't, unless you're like sweaty or already wet, it shouldn't be too hard to get a wetsuit on. They're not meant to be like a, you know, like a, like a swimming pool fast suit where it's like, like you're inching it up one inch at a time with your fingers yeah. and your fingers are sore. And the bags on your feet, that is that so your like toenails don't poke through or something? Yeah, I, I really understood why people did that. Like I thought they didn't want sand on their feet in the suit or I, 
I've I've literally never put plastic bags on my feet to get into a wetsuit, and I've gotten into a lot of wetsuits, so I don't know. I come from the swimming era when we would wear like the full leg suits, and I know that like again, you're like those are so tight, and it would take like 20 minutes to put it on, and you're like inching it up, like my fingers would be sore afterwards, and so it's just a different experience. And then I would use plastic bags, but. I I'll put socks on like when I'm putting them on, I just find it a little bit easier to get like, just in case, I guess maybe my feet are sweaty. And so like they stick a little bit <laughs> when they're coming through while they're like pulling it through. I don't know, but I usually just have socks on cause I'm like standing in my socks anyway. And then, um, you know, that's, that's usually the, the trick I use. Is that a trick? Does that count? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I wear socks actually... on my feet. <laughs> Heather, I would almost say a lot of people probably are wearing suits often too tight because people think they need to be very, very tight. And like, then they're like, oh, wetsuits are uncomfortable. But like your wetsuit should be comfortable and it should be like flexible. You should be able to like bend, you know, if you need to like wrap yourself into a ball, like do a flip in the water. Like you should be able to do those things in the wetsuit pretty comfortably. It just shouldn't be saggy, especially once it's wet and like kind of gets a little bit bigger when it's wet. Um, So like you just don't want the sagginess of it but otherwise if you're pulling it on and it's like you know zipping up pretty like I can zip mine up if I can like manage to get the rope in my hand like mine will zip up with only me right I don't need someone else like jamming me in there to zip it up it's like you don't need it that tight either so we think you're on the right path the usually the sales reps are like really great sizing pros at those kinds of things so um you know I I think maybe you can then check out the other sales going on and <laughs> maybe treat yourself to something else. Cause it does sound like our non-expert opinion from <laughs> not seeing this in person is that you're in a good fitting suit. Yeah. And I would also add, like, if I just go in off the height and weight chart for a lot of wetsuits, like I wear a bigger size than what, if I just went off of my height and weight and a lot of that is like just how my body is shaped. Um, and so I'm just more comfortable with a slightly bigger size, like a slightly, I like a little more, more length in the torso. And um, I think like Alyssa said, like wearing in the pool, because if you think of how a wetsuit works, you want a thin layer of water in there, like in between your skin and the suit to warm up because that's what keeps you warm. So it's it's a little bit different than, um, you know, a swimming suit where you don't want, you really want it to be like right against your skin, but um, so slightly different, but hopefully, hopefully it fits, if it's good. Like and Alyssa said, like there's plenty of other things to shop for. Thank you to Heather for sending that in. And again, send us your mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, we have a fun Feisty Media event to kick off here soon. So Feisty Media is ready to get everyone in the holiday spirit with their annual 12 Days of Feisty. This includes discounts, deals, and giveaways from Feisty Partners starting November 29th. So that is this next Monday. Starting on Monday through December 10th, you can enter to win a prize pack worth over $500 with Feisty Swag, exclusive content from Dr. Daisy, Dr. Stacy Sims, and much more. To enter the drawing and get the 12 days of Feisty deals sent to your inbox, go to livefeisty.com slash 12 days, and we will have that link for you in the show notes. So everyone gets signed up for that. It's a fun way to get in the holiday spirit. Maybe, you know, get yourself some treats too. Ooh, winning stuff is always fun. Like <laughs> that is always good. But, um, and we also, as promised, 
last week we teased this a little bit that we our guest this week is Holly Charles. And so if you listen to last week's episode, we talked to Lucy Charles Barclay, who is Holly's older sister. And Holly is the media manager, the photographer, the videographer for Team Charles Barclay. And we talked to Holly about her art, how she got started in photography, her her personal and professional relationship with her sister, Lucy. And Holly also offers a few tips for getting that perfect Instagram shot, which we know you all want to hear. So stay tuned because we have our conversation with Holly right after the break. Haley, have you ever realized that skincare is an all season job? It really is, Alyssa. Winter can be just as harsh on my skin as the summertime sun. I rely on Zelio skincare products to get me through every season here in Montana. My favorite winter products are the body lotion, lip protection, and of course, Betwixt chamois cream. Mine too. And our Iron Women listeners can also stock up on Zelio's products for the season ahead. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 15% off. That's right, get 15% off at teamzelios.com using code IRONWOMEN. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hi, Holly. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, It's my first ever podcast, so I'm very excited to be here. We are so honored to be your first ever podcast, and I'm also excited to be unexpectedly recording this after a race weekend for you, where you actually raced, not where you're shooting a race or (laughs) filming a race. And so we talked to your sister, Lucy, just before this, and she did say this Alton Towers 10K was a family affair. So how are you feeling post 10K? Uh, Yeah, I don't run many 10Ks in my life, so uh, my legs are hurting a bit today. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I mostly enjoyed going on the roller coasters afterwards. Um, and I was actually running around with a GoPro because I could never not be filming an event. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good fun. But uh, I do prefer a 5K, to be honest. It's a bit easier for me. <laughs> I feel like you're reminding me a lot of my own sister. <laughs> and what her reaction would be if somehow I duped her into a family race race weekend, which I have yet to do. So maybe I'll use this when I see her at Thanksgiving to be like, see, Lucy's sister does it. Um, But we did notice that Holly, you ran the race wearing that GoPro strapped to your chest, because if our listeners aren't aware, you are the videographer, photographer, and media manager for the wildly successful team, Charles Barkley YouTube channel. So have you had a chance to review the footage from the race and is point is point of view race photography going to be a new thing for you? <laughs> uh, I had a little look today and uh, I'll be honest, it's not the best because <laughs> I'm sort of running like this uh, with my hands shaking about. But uh, yeah, I think uh, in future, if I want to film Lucy running, uh, I should not be running myself because there was even a point where 
we were coming towards each other because the course like looped back around again and I saw in the distance but then your hands were all sweaty and you're trying to click the button and I like literally got this one bit of her running away from me so uh, I think in future I should just stay on the sidelines uh, if Lucy is running and I need to get some footage. I admire the attempt and I feel like you know it's just this was the first attempt you got to try it again um but yeah. we we do want to hear more about your background as an artist. So your sister Lucy, she told us that you studied photography in school, but we can imagine a lot has changed in photography in recent years. So how has the evolution been for you from photography student to real life sports photographer and videographer? Uh, it has been a massive learning curve. Um, so when I was at uni, I actually did a really fine art based course and I, for the whole three years... I only shot on analog film so I didn't touch a digital camera the whole time I was there um so then when I came to work for Lucy it was sort of not what I had envisioned for myself but it was also the best opportunity ever to jump straight into the arts career that I wanted so at first it was very difficult and obviously nowadays everything is video and that is like what everyone's looking for are videographers, not so much photographers. Like you need to have both of those skills. So it has been amazing to get the opportunity to learn to do that as well, because I had not done that at all in my whole school or university time of learning photography. So that's been great. Um, and I would say that's definitely the biggest change that I've had to make because I feel like even with the analog stuff from school, I could transfer over the creativity and the ideas I had from that. But the video was just like, oh, my God, this is so different and way more different than I thought it would be when Lucy said that that would be a part of the job. So, yeah. And we also asked Lucy just before this about your personal relationship with her. So we need to ask you the same question. Um, how was growing up with Lucy as a sibling? And when did your relationship evolve into kind of that professional partnership that you have now? Uh, yeah, so when we were really young, we did fight a lot as sisters do, <laughs> um, especially because Lucy is so competitive and I'm a much more quiet and subdued person uh, so we would clash a lot in those ways and then we sort of had quite a big gap where I was at uni and she had moved out with Reese. so we sort of we spoke to each other but we weren't around each other all the time so we kind of started to get on better but we weren't like that close and then now we're back to spending so much time together but it's completely changed and we get on so much better and our the things that we used to clash on where she's so competitive and I'm more quiet that now works so well in the relationship that we have and the job we're trying to do together. And you were in Utah with Lucy for a few weeks ahead of her huge win at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in St. George. And I think during that time, you released five YouTube videos about the lead up to that race and the race itself. That is a ton of content. So did you go into that trip knowing what kind of videos you aim to create? Uh, yeah, we had sort of a rough plan. We knew we wanted like a road trip video and then a Cribs tour because we knew the place we were staying in was going to be really cool. Um, and then for the next three videos <laughs> that led into the race, it was more, I was just filming so much every day and so much was happening. I was like, 
we could make a video now like so if you could just sit down and answer a few questions with me then we can get another one out so it was more videos than I thought but it it sort of worked out and it made sense to be doing that at the time and we love talking to triathletes about the gear they use for races and we can imagine for photography and videography you also need a ton of gear so can you tell us about the cameras and editing software that you use and is traveling with all that gear just as difficult as traveling with a bike <laughs> yeah so the annoying thing with all my cameras is that I really want to have them in the hand luggage because I'm so worried about putting them in the hold on the plane so I do really need to reduce down the amount of equipment I have especially when we're traveling uh, overseas so I have the main camera that I use is the Lumix GH5 which is a specific video camera um which is great and I would recommend it to anyone who's starting out because it's very compact and it's still really good footage you can get 4k on it and with all the mics and stuff it's like so good uh, I would really recommend that and then we have a lot of GoPros which are great we can do anything with those all the underwater footage and kind of throwing them about attaching them to bikes and stuff um, and then I also have a drone, which we tra we take out with us, which is another awkward thing to get through security sometimes because you've got to get out the whole thing and all the batteries. Uh, but again, the footage on that is so great. It's definitely worth bringing it along. Um, and then for the stills, I have a Canon. I'm definitely team Canon over team Nikon. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much everything I bring when we are traveling to get shots. What about computers and editing software? Do you do you use Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere? Do you have a favorite? Uh, yeah, I use Adobe Premiere because uh, when I was in school, we were always on Adobe programs. So I had some sort of background knowledge on that. So that's what I jumped into using. And then do you have a bunch of external hard drives? I'm, I mean, again, I'm not a videographer, but I can just imagine. I've, I've filled up my computer before just making like uh, Instagram reel. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a whole drawer in my desk for the hard drives. Uh, yeah, they just get full up so quickly. And then I have to like put sticky labels in them with like the dates and all the things that are on them. A lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, and filming and photography, photographing a race it has to be especially hard because you mentioned like the lead up, you can take more than one shot. You can be like, Hey Lucy, do that again. But in a race, you only get one chance to get that perfect shot. Do you scout the course pre-race and do you kind of go in even with a race plan of specific shots and backdrops that you want? Uh, yeah. So I actually haven't been to that many races so far because uh, I only started working for Lucy just over two years ago and most of that has been the pandemic um so I've probably been to less than five actual races so far um and it is it's way harder because you can't be everywhere on the course at once and especially when it is a long Ironman race there is so far to travel just to get to the next place so luckily you know the family will be out or we'll have Paz and Reese there and we'll drive about and try and get to different spots and we normally like plan out the places we could try and get to in time and be at the finish line on time and stuff like that but um yeah the I feel like the best one I've been to so far was definitely the Super League races because 
there so fast they're all in one place and you can just sprint about and get to the next bit so that was really ideal and your videos that you make usually end up being between 10 and 30 minutes in length so from scouting to shooting to editing and sound mixing how many hours do you think go into about making each finished product that's quite i've never really thought about how long it actually takes it really does vary i feel like sometimes I'll just stay up all night and I'll get it done in like an eight hour period. And then sometimes it feels like I've been working on it all week, every day, and it's still not finished. And it really does vary quite a lot. But I'd say maybe on average, two working days. So about 16 hours, maybe. Wow. I mean, that is, that's a lot of time to get, um, you know, a video, but it looks it when you watch them, you can tell they're really, really well done. Is there a part of the process that you enjoy the most? Uh, yeah, I definitely say finding the music to go with it. So I always, I lay everything out and I kind of have a vision of how it's going to cut together. And then I like to go and search for the music and you really get inspired for how you're going to cut things together when you're listening to it. And uh, that's definitely my favorite. Oh, sorry. I've got Siri popping up. Uh, yeah, that's definitely my favorite part of putting the video together. And it really feels like you can completely change the story or the atmosphere of a shot with the music that you pick to put behind it. And where do you source your music? Um, I use a website called Epidemic Sound. Um, it's a really good website. You just pay a monthly subscription and I think it's less than £10. So it's really reasonable. And there is so much music on it and it's so well categorized by like genre or mood or um, there's like another word I can't think of it. Um, but yeah, so and they just like constantly update it and there's like albums by the kind of video that you would make. So it's so easy to use and I really love uh, getting my music from that website. And what about still images? Do you have a favorite still image of Lucy that you're just really proud of capturing? Um, I, I feel like every time we go on a trip, my favorite image becomes the like most recent one that we've done because I feel like I'm always learning so much of like more interesting shots to take or how I want to edit them and and then I look back on like a few months ago I'm like oh I hate those photos now but I really like the new ones that I've done but I guess whenever we go to Lanzarote I love getting the photos when she's out on her long rides and going like over the rolling hills and around the volcanoes so probably one of those shots. What about a favorite video? If any of our listeners haven't watched the Team Charles Barclay channel yet, is there a show from the archives that you'd suggest them make sure they don't miss it? Uh, similarly, I would definitely say the Lanzarote camp vlogs. They're definitely my favorite because there's just so much going on in them. And I love that we really get to like follow the sessions closely because I feel like when we're on those training camps, there's always a lot of time for filming. Whereas when it's really close to a race, there's a lot more of like staying out of the way and trying not to be a massive distraction with all the filming. So yeah, definitely the Lanzarote training camps. And Holly, we know algorithms factor into every social media platform these days. 
you know, they make certain images and videos more likely to be seen, that sort of thing. And they can be, you know, touted as being very important to be like part of the algorithm, part of the algorithm. So do you spend time trying to figure out what, what works best with the current YouTube or Instagram algorithm? Yeah, this is something we spend quite a lot of time trying to figure out. Um, we're quite lucky that Red Bull are really on it with um, sort of getting our data for us. And they, they've like provided um quarterly reports for us on like things that we could do differently to improve our views and stuff um so that's been quite useful but yeah it's definitely especially on youtube we try and do everything possible to push people to watch our videos like the thumbnail and the title are so important which is something we didn't realize till quite recently like that image could change whether someone wants to watch the video or not, especially for people who don't know who Lucy is and have just seen it pop up on their page. So that's something we've really been working on recently is trying to make sure that that is very captivating and people want to click on it. And we talked to Lucy a little bit about this, um, about the comments and how she will do a giveaway and someone has to read through the in the YouTube comments or probably the Instagram comments. And that could be hard because there could be something really negative. And she did say that you are usually the person doing that comment reading. Yeah. How do you handle that? Yeah, I am. Um, it is hard because I feel like it's so easy to just see the negative comments because they stick out most in your brain. And although they're like, the minority of comments so many people are saying how much they love the video and how much they love the music and how much they loved all the shots in it and then there's the one comment that's like oh I hated that song and I don't like that shot and blah 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 it's just like oh now I'm all just thinking about that one but thanks um but yeah I guess we learn at uni to deal with critiques quite well because we would have a lot of critiques on our projects and we would always have a monthly sort of crit session where you would have to show your project in front of the whole group and people would be ruthless at you and tell you how bad your work is it doesn't make any sense blah blah blah. so I'm quite used to taking that on and trying to make a positive from it and trying to think well what can I really like decipher from this comment that really was the problem people might have been seeing that I can fix or were they just being mean so yeah it's you've just got to like filter for it and find the useful information because sometimes people are actually trying to be helpful but can be quite sharp with their comments but yeah I just try and take the positives that I can get from it instead of dwelling on like oh I feel rubbish now because someone didn't like my video. I think that's a really good perspective to keep and we think that you're one of the only or if, you know, one of the few um, female videographers on the endurance sports circuit. So how have you been received by the male videographers out there? I've actually not felt picked out because of that, which is quite nice, because I feel like when you're going through education, especially when you're younger, there is a lot of like being told you should do certain subjects. And I'm hoping that is changing now, but I still felt like when I was at school, I had a meeting scheduled with the head teacher when I wanted to take both art and photography to tell me not to do that, which is such a shame because 
I love doing those things and that's what I've wanted to do and now I feel like I've proved that I should have taken those subjects because that's what I'm doing with my life now but yeah it has actually been a breath of fresh air in this job that I feel like no one's ever sort of made a comment to make me feel like I shouldn't be doing this just because of my gender so that's great. Are there any other women filmmakers or photographers in sports or any genre that you really admire? (laughs) See, that's when it's bad because I can't actually think of any uh, because there are so many male photographers and videographers and I haven't, I don't think I've actually met any female photographers or videographers while working, which is such a shame because I feel like maybe they've been discouraged like I was at school um so yeah unfortunately I don't have an answer for that question well hopefully next time do you yeah next time we ask someone this question they say Holly Charles that's what I'm hoping (laughs) for I know yes you can be the one that people can look up (laughs) to and I'm I'm sure um like do you watch some of the other content that's produced for some of the other athletes and you know do you I kind of feel like seeing things through a female lens is a huge advantage at times, especially with when it's Lucy's story that you're telling. Do you feel that way and kind of take things from them, but also realize that you can spin it and, you know, be a little bit better than them even? <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely works for me and Lucy. I feel like I understand her quite well being her sister and it really works for our videos. Um, and I feel like, I'm quite a sensitive person to people's emotions and I can really use that to tell a story in a video. So I sort of get what's going on in Lucy's head and I can try and make that come across in our video. So I think that works quite well. You mentioned how you haven't been able to travel to every race and and you weren't able to travel to Lucy's most recent triathlon in Abu Dhabi, yet you still released a video. So how hard is it to source the footage and put it all together when you weren't even on site for the race? Yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, Luckily, Lucy is really into getting all the filming and photos that she can. So she'll take all the GoPros with her when I can't go with her and she'll record anything she can get that will help me. Um, And then we just sort of try and grab some bits of race coverage and I try and grab like some sound bites from the commentary and just any little thing. I'll message people on Instagram that I saw, shared a story with her and I'll be like, oh, did you get any video? Would you mind if I use that? Um, And we just try and put it all together. But I, I actually really enjoy making those videos because I feel a lot less pressure about the fact that it needs to be this really perfect piece that is with all my footage and I need to select my best shots and stuff and it's quite enjoyable to try and like scavenge this video together and it feels like just the fact that I finished it was an accomplishment so yeah it's quite fun actually trying to get that done. And what about getting permission to film in swimming pools or other sort of non-public locations is that ever hard to do? Uh, Well actually During the lockdown, because Lucy and Reese had special permission to swim at their local pool, it actually became a lot easier for me to film because we were just allowed to be in there doing whatever we wanted. And I haven't been back to the pool with them since it's been open to the public again because it is so difficult, especially in pools, to get permission. They just, like, you would have to have the pool empty to be allowed because the public can't be in there. So that's quite annoying. But 
in terms of outdoor locations like our local running track they they're absolutely fine and it's great we can just go in there so yeah that's quite good we kind of joked earlier about new video styles we mentioned that point of view race footage but do you ever consider doing something longer like maybe a documentary film about lucy's bid for the british olympic team just throwing it out there (laughs) yeah i have thought about that and i i feel like it would be really cool to over the next year have a video that I know I'm working on in the background that we're sort of collecting stuff for and I think a good practice for that is that at the end of this year this might be top secret information but we're planning on doing a video about the whole year because obviously for Lucy it's been such a big year of trying different things and obviously getting her world title so we are planning a longer video that sort of goes over all of that. Uh, obviously, I'll be sort of making that up at the end of the year rather than thinking about it at the start. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then maybe I'll I'll start planning the next one. <laughs> I have to say, I'm I'm like all about these slightly longer videos coming. Like Taylor Swift is on top of these things. You guys are on top of these things. I think, you know, the Iron Women podcast listeners will be eagerly awaiting that to come out. Um, and Holly, we know social media has made it easier than ever to share photos and videos, but it's also then made it easier to like steal photos and videos, right? So have you ever run into any copyright issues with your work or even just fans reposting images without your permission? Uh, Luckily, not too badly, but obviously there's a lot of those sort of Instagram accounts that are like uh, triathlon fan world or something. And they just, they share everyone's photos. They just reshare them without asking. And it's sort of like, I don't know what to do in that situation. Like they're not gaining much from using my photo, but it still feels like, oh, you could have asked me. <laughs> but um, yeah, luckily not not anything where I felt like I need to contact these people and be like either pay for my image <laughs> or take it down. So yeah, I've, I've, unless they've done it and I haven't noticed, um, I feel like I've been quite lucky so far. Can you offer any like, like best practices for any of our listeners who aren't aware of, you know, this is your work, this is your livelihood, you know, what is the, the proper way to go about, um, you know, it, like buying a photo? Uh, yeah. So obviously I think a lot of people don't realize that when someone takes a photo, they own that image. That is not like free property for everyone. Even if they post it online, that is not like free to take. So it's just best to ask them sometimes people won't mind if you're using it for something that kind of doesn't have any value but if you want to like publish an image that's not yours then you owe the photographer something for that that's not just yours to take and obviously as much as it is a compliment to know that someone loves your work and wants to use it it it's still your work and you need to be paid for that so you should as a photographer you should also never be embarrassed to tell someone that they need to pay you for your work and also if you want to use someone's work you need to know that you should ask them and what about for our listeners out there who are their own photographers do you have any tips for getting a great instagram shot especially if we're limited to an iphone uh a non-photographer's best friend is the timer setting <laughs> on your phone uh, and if you can invest in a small phone tripod then I'm sure that will do a great job 
and they're not very expensive and just be as creative as possible don't be afraid to like take a stupid photo because at the end of the day if you don't like it you don't have to share it but you might just happen to get something amazing so just try different things and have fun with it and if you're having fun you're not gonna feel like you've wasted your time either and what about pet photography? We are huge dog fans at the Iron Women podcast, and we also believe you have a special skill for canine photography. So do you have any tips for getting a great shot of our favorite four-legged friends? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I love taking photos of Lola, and you wouldn't know from us posting the one good shot we got of her that that was actually a massive struggle. Um, so the best thing I think is first of all to teach your dog to sit and wait and then once you've got that nailed then maybe you can get the photo of them but there might actually be some training involved before you get that otherwise they're not gonna they're not gonna sit and wait in that one shot you want to get they're gonna be jumping at the camera at the treat in your hand that you're trying to get them to wait for so yeah luckily we have nailed the sit wait 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 and then we get the shot. <laughs> and Holly, we started this interview by asking you about your recent athletic accomplishments. So it feels fitting to come full circle here and ask you about your race at the London Triathlon this past summer. You raced as a fundraiser for Great Ormond Street Hospital. What got you to that triathlon start line? And can we expect to see you on more of those start lines in the future? Uh, yeah. So funnily enough, uh, me and a group of friends at uni were doing park run every weekend and uh, we were also really into watching Lucy's live stream races whenever we could. So we were all talking about how we should level up our challenge and do a triathlon the next year together. Um, and then obviously the pandemic came in. So the following year we didn't do it. And then the year after, two of my friends still really wanted to do the triathlon. And it wasn't until two weeks before they were saying to me, are you going to do it? Come on, are you going to do it? I finally agreed to take part. Uh, so I had two weeks of training to get ready for the race. But I think I did all right in the end. So, yeah, and it was really fun. And I think we'll probably try and make it a tradition and do it every year. <laughs> We love to hear it. I mean, we like you on the sideline taking photos, but you know, I, I think this, I mean, I think your point of view race photography could be like a new thing and um, it's always fun to get in there and get in the mix. And I just love that your whole family does it, but Holly, thank you so much for coming on the show today and telling us so much more about what goes into these incredible images and videos that we can watch online. We'll make sure that we link to everything, all of the social media accounts in our show notes, but best of luck to you with that year end video too. Thanks for the scoop on that. I can't wait. Thank you for having me on my first ever podcast. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too. And that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Hey Haley, it's officially fall and I am drinking my noon hydration immunity. 
Haha, <laughs> Alyssa, I love a good pun and a good warm fall beverage, but can you tell me a little bit more about this new Immunity 3 product? What does the 3 stand for? It stands for vitamins, electrolytes, and prebiotics, the three keys to staying healthy and hydrated this season. Noon Hydration Immunity 3 comes in mandarin, orange, and superberry flavors, and all Iron Women podcast listeners can get 30% off Immunity 3 and the whole line of Noon Hydration products by using the code STAYFEISTY at NoonLife.com. Alyssa, I really enjoyed these back-to-back sister interviews uh, with Lucy Charles Barclay and then Holly Charles. And I'm especially excited to watch the year year in review short film that Holly has coming in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be watching social media for that announcement because I, I think they are such a powerful team and how they showcase each other or, you know, how Holly's able to showcase Lucy's racing, but then they also showcase the sport of triathlon is just so good for everyone. We all get to see what happens and it's kind of raises the profile of the sport and it's cool that they're sisters. Yeah. And you know, um, I have recently figured out how to do cues in my YouTube so that when I'm on the treadmill watching YouTube videos, I can get them to just play one after each other. And then it's not like just one and then it's dead. And I just have to finish my treadmill just watching the end screen of the first one. So I am, yeah, I will be eagerly waiting for that video to come out so I can add it to my queue um, and, and have some inspiration while I'm treadmill running. It's always fun. And yeah, like you said, I think it's the sister dynamic is fun. It would be, I mean, this clearly is a massive job. And so to have someone close to you who really knows you from your whole life, right, is like such an advantage to have that person on your team. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's a cool, cool thing. And I'm glad we get to witness it. And I'm glad we got a little insight from both of Lucy and Holly. And um, Alyssa, this is this episode is coming out on Thanksgiving. So I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and holiday week with um, whoever you are spending time with Ramona and anyone else who gets to to hang out with you and um, hope, you know, wishing you plenty of hot noon. (laughs) (laughs) as you celebrate. Thanks, Haley. I hope your Thanksgiving is going to fuel you well for your Indian Wells workout of the week that you'll give us next week. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Listening.